man. Tim, you look like you're struggling with that, bro. Good morning to everybody. How are we doing today? Good. Is the Lord faithful or what? Man, as they were singing, I was thinking about uh, Psalms 36. Uh, I think it's verse 5 that says that his love extends to the heavens and that his faithfulness extends to the clouds. And, you know, the writer back then, the psalmist wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have been able to get in an airplane and, and fly up to the clouds to see how far that was. For him, the writer, that would have been the furthest place. And so he's like, man, your faithfulness extends beyond what I can even comprehend. It's way beyond what I can think about. And that's, I mean, the Lord's faithfulness, you know, Lamentations will say it's new every morning. So you guys are should be rocked by the fact that God is faithful to you. And the best place to see the faithfulness of our God is the cross of Jesus Christ. Like there's no other greater display of God's faithfulness than that he would send his only, his one and only son to die on your behalf. People that were enemies to him. And I know we are like, man, I wasn't an enemy to the Lord. No, we were enemies to God uh, because of his holiness. And in his faithfulness, he said, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm grateful to be gathered with the body of Christ today, proclaiming the works of Jesus Christ. Happy belated Thanksgiving. I I hope you guys are recovering from some food comas that you guys were in. I know I'm just getting out of one, my own self. Uh, Let me just give a quick recap because Gabe said it, but I'm, man, I am overwhelmed by uh, Wednesday when we got together to really sit down and have Thanksgiving dinner with the community. You know, and, and to think that we we sent out almost 275, if not more, meals, that is, that just brings me joy. And let me publicly take this moment to express my um, gratitude for everybody that served, those that were in the kitchen on Tuesday. And I know some of you couldn't make that and wanted to, uh, but we had a group in the kitchen. Everything that we served on Wednesday um, was home cooked. Uh, and it, it was good food. And I'm grateful for everybody that, that cooked on Tuesday and those that served on Wednesday. Thank you guys for giving of your time. Uh, but I, I do need to just make sure I highlight uh, just a couple of people that really coordinated and worked the, uh, the entire event. Uh, can we thank God for Gabe, guys, as he looks away? And man, we... If you guys see him running around, you guys should go up and thank him. He, he doesn't get enough credit for the things. He does a lot to keep uh, the church running. And so if you guys see him, just encourage him and, and say thank you for the work that he does. He tries his best to make you guys as comfortable as possible. So uh, thank God for him. And Deanna as well. She's in the kids' room. She... Um, She's always just such a blessing to be able to help to to serve and coordinate. And and the way her mind thinks, she thinks of stuff that nobody else would think about in an event. And so uh, grateful for those two. Listen, I am I'm I'm eager and anxious to preach the word. So if you guys would indulge me and grab your copies of God's word, meet me in Matthew chapter six is where we're going to be today. Matthew six. This is our last Sunday in the Red Letter series. Uh, red Letters meaning we have been going the entire month of, um, of November. We've been walking through 
red letters in terms of Jesus' words, focusing on the teaching ministry, the preaching ministry of Jesus Christ. And let me just assure you, if you have not heard all of the sermons, if this is your first time here or uh, you've came a couple of times this month, I would encourage you guys to listen to all of the podcasts. The reason I would, because here's the truth. Nobody ever spoke like Jesus. They just just haven't. I don't care. Some of the greatest communicators have never, ever even came close to how Jesus teaches. As I told you, Jesus, man, he'll he'll tear you up in a story and you think that the story is about somebody else and he'll twist it on you at the end and the story end up being about us. And, um, and so, so the words of Jesus Christ is important. Now, all of scripture is equally as important, but it's something about those red letters. In fact, don't turn here, but in John chapter seven, the Pharisees send the office, some officers to arrest Jesus. And when they get there to arrest Jesus, Jesus is dropping bars in a sermon that was so tight that the officers that were supposed to arrest him end up going back to, um, back to the, the Pharisees. And when they go back to the Pharisees, the Pharisees are like, where is Jesus? Why did you not arrest him? And their response was, nobody ever spoke like this man. And so his words have power. And so I've been excited to walk through the words of Jesus Christ, these red letters. Next month, we will be jumping into uh, a sermon series on the Advent. Advent is the arrival of a notable person. No one's more notable than Jesus Christ. And so for the entire month, we'll be walking through what it uh, means that our King, Jesus Christ, was born into this world. Uh, He was not created. This is the creator of the universe put on flesh in order to deal with our funky mess uh, called our sin. And so we get to do that. There's a surprise that I have for you in December. I'm not going to announce it this week. You'll have to come back next week to hear what that surprise is. But there is a great surprise that is happening in, uh, in the month of December on a Sunday. And so I'm excited about it. So please uh, come back so you can hear what it is. All right, Matthew chapter 6. If you guys can meet me in verse 25. We'll be in verse 25 to 34. All right, the word says this. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Circle that phrase. Verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I simply want to preach from the one word title, anxiety. Anxiety. Let us pray this morning. 
Lord, we do pray uh, as we attempt to engage your word that you would meet us. Hebrews 4 is clear that your word is alive and that it is active. And this morning, we need that active, alive word to work on our hearts. Uh, Truth is, most of us, if not all of us in this room, deals with some type of anxiety. And Lord, I pray that you would meet us in the text. Uh, Pray that this text would work on us uh, corporately as it worked on me individually. Pray that you would use it for your glory and for your honor, and may Jesus Christ be glorified through our time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Anxiety, anxiety. Some um, some years ago, a ancient Greek manuscript was uh, was discovered. It was found, and on that manuscript there was an inscription of a name, and the name that was on it was. Tatidios Emeridos. Tatidios Emeridos. Now, that name is very interesting. And the interesting part of that name is the latter part, Emeridos. Why is that interesting? Because that's actually not Tatidios' name. His name is not Tatidios, and Emeridos is his last name. Emeridos is a description of who Tatidios was. And so Emeridos literally means the man who never worries. And so his name was Tatidios, the man who never worries. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. It's almost like Frederick the Great. The Great isn't actually Frederick's last name, but because he won so many wars in the 1700s, they called him Frederick the Great. It was a description of his character and how great he was. Or Evan the Terrible. The Terrible wasn't actually his last name. It was a description of his behavior. Or James the just. The just isn't his last name. It's a description of who James is. And so this person, Tatidios, last name is not a Marinos, but it's a description. This is a man who never worries. The question that's on the table for you this morning is, could that be said of you? Could you be a person that never worries, that does not have anxiety? The people that know you best, how will they describe you? Will they describe you as a person that does not have any type of anxiety. But here, here's the truth. We're not here to figure out what other people think about us. We're not even here to, to try to figure out what we think about ourselves. Jesus wants to show us in the text today what he thinks about our anxiety. And I pray that those that uh, would be honest in here and say, man, I have anxiety attacks. There are sleepless nights I have. I'm on medication for anxiety. The stress of life sometimes seems to weigh me down. There's been death in family. My grandmother passed away this week. That tends to bring um, a weight on to the stress of our life. There's lack of job opportunities. There are so many things that bring stressful finances, relationships, bring anxiety attacks. But here's the truth of the matter. Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to have anxiety. Did you know this? And if you don't, I think you should know this. Over 40 different, or over 40 adults, 40 million adults in the United States were diagnosed with some type of uh, anxiety. Over 40 different adults. Now, there's over six different types of anxiety. You can have anxiety attacks or panic attacks. There's obsessive compulsive uh, disorders. There's Social anxiety, phobias, there's post-dramatic stress. I mean, we have, we're such an anxious culture that the healthcare system couldn't even lump you in under, under one 
thing of anxiety, but it's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of different anxieties out there. And the question on the table for us is how do we deal with our anxiety? It doesn't matter the status. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter how famous you are. I mean, this week, I couldn't even scroll through my Instagram feed without seeing Kanye West on my Instagram feed over and over again. A man that had some type of meltdown and has been dealing with anxiety. And even if you look at guys like, what, what is it, Kid Cootie? Cuddy? See, that's why I shouldn't even said his name. My cool factor just went like all the way down. Kid Cuddy, I mean, I, I just recently found out, I know this has been a while, but I just recently found out and read his social media post that he posted a while ago just about how he deals with anxiety. In fact, I wanted, if you guys would give me two minutes, I'd love to read. This is what Kid Cuddy uh, put as he confessed his anxiety on social media. He said this, it's been difficult for me to find the words to what I'm about to share with you because I feel ashamed. Ashamed to be a leader and a hero to so many while admitting that I, I am living a lie. It took me a while to get to this place of commitment, but it is something that I have to do for myself, my family, and best friends, my best friend's daughter, and for all of my fans. Yesterday, I checked myself into a rehab for depression and suicidal urges. This is a man that has fans and millions of dollars. I am not at peace. I have not been since you've known me. If I didn't come here, I would have done something to myself. I, I simply am a damaged human swimming in a pool of emotions every day of my life. There's a raging, violent storm inside of my heart at all times. I do not know what peace feels like. Can you imagine that? I do not know how to relax. My anxiety and depression have ruled my life for as long as I can remember. I never have left the, I never leave the house because of it. I can't make new friends because of it. I don't trust anyone because of it. I'm tired of being held back in my life by anxiety. This is somebody that millions of people adore, yet he is dealing with some of the same stuff that you and I have walked in here with. What I don't want you to do is read this and then disconnect your anxiety from the text today. No, Jesus wants to deal with how anxious we are. So let us, let us do this. Let us walk through all of these scriptures together and see if we can apply them to our lives. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? The first word of that verse begs our attention this morning. It says, therefore, and I've told you guys numerous of times, anytime the scripture says, therefore, we must automatically ask ourselves, what is the therefore, therefore? The reason we have to ask ourselves is because when Jesus says that word, therefore, he's actually connecting his preceding thought. The verses before, verses 19 to 24, the preceding verses, Jesus is teaching about the fleeting nature of and, and the powerful grip of materialism. And what he's doing by saying, therefore, is he's connecting our influence of materialism to our anxiety. And so what he's saying is most of us are anxious about things that are temporary. We're anxious about things of the earth, the materialistic stuff. And in, in verse number 24, see, the, what I don't want us to do is walk away and say, man, I'm not supposed to have money because that brings anxiety. No, we're not supposed to serve money. 
That brings anxiety. In fact, Jesus says it in verse number 24 of the same chapter we read. At the end of verse 24, he says, you cannot serve God and money. So yes, you can serve God and make money, but you can't serve God and serve money because when you do that, it brings on a level of anxiety. Not to mention, I've said it over and over again, money always makes a bad God. It just does, man. It doesn't, it doesn't, and the more money that you make, the more anxiety, if you serve it, the more anxiety you will have. What, what did the famous theologian from Brooklyn say? Biggie Smalls. <laughs> more money, more problems. And it's true. So the more money you have, if you aren't anchored in God and serving God, if you're serving that money, it will bring more anxiety. We just saw two of the most famous people in the music industry have meltdowns. And they have money. And so money doesn't always solve problems. So Jesus is showing us, when he says, therefore, he's connecting, hey, the materialistic stuff, you're serving that. It's also bringing in anxiety. Now look at the rest of verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Jesus here sums up our anxiety in two specific categories. Food and clothing. These are two specific, and really he's taking these two to show us a broader lens of the things that we are anxious about. And if you don't believe that our culture obsesses over food and clothing, go to the nearest Barnes and Noble, stand in front of the magazine aisle, pick out any magazine, flip through it, and you'll see ad over ad over ad about food, about clothing, about drink. We are obsessed about food and clothing. And the question that we must ask ourselves is, why are we so obsessed about food and obsessed about clothing? Well, I think there's three specific reasons that we are obsessed with it. The first reason is because we feel like we'll lose a sense of our life. If not a sense, we'll lose our life. At the extreme, if you do not eat, will die. Can, can, we, can we agree with that? At the extreme, if you don't have warm clothes, you will not be able to fight against the cold elements of the world. And so we obsess over it because it will shorten our life. And so that's one reason. The second reason I would say we obsess over it is because it takes away some pleasure. What, what do I mean by that? Food brings us pleasure. If it didn't, you wouldn't have had second and thirds this week when you ate Thanksgiving. Deep fried turkey was calling me this week, and I had it a few days. In fact, I ate up until last night. I can't eat any more turkey. Up until last night, I was eating it. Why do we do that? We do that because it brings some type of pleasure. And although Jesus here is talking about food, really it's a broader sense of the pleasures of life. And so we obsess over what Jesus is saying is food, and really what he's saying is we obsess because it will, it will impede upon our pleasures in life. The third reason I'd like to submit to you is that we would lose human praises. He talks about clothes. The admiring glances of people upon our clothes. We'd lose some sense of human praise. And so those are the three reasons I think. But understand something. If you've trusted in Jesus, if you've really put your faith in the work of Jesus, our priority is not the length of our life. Our priority is not human praise. Our priority isn't even earthly pleasures like food. Our priority will and always be an allegiance to Jesus Christ. 
And through that allegiance to Jesus Christ, we get to glorify God forever. That is the priority of the Christian. And so when you get that twisted, it always brings anxiety. When God is not the focus of your life and something else is, God will always make us have anxiety over that area. Get on, the mind, get on your mind the area that you've been most anxious about. My suggestion to you is to put God before that. Because when you don't put God before that, it does show that your priorities are backwards. Now, Jesus is going to do something in verse 26 that I thought was amazing. Jesus, in verse number 26, is going to give us an illustration of why we shouldn't be anxious. Look at what he says, and he points to creation when he does it. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. When Jesus wants to give us an illustration on why we shouldn't be anxious, he points to the birds in the air, which is amazing to me. Why? Because you never see, you've never seen a bird plant a seed and then go back and pick up that seed. The bird automatically knows that when he wakes up, God's going to provide. So he's not anxious over, this is why you, you this, I mean, think about this. Birds don't have 401k plans. <laughs> they don't have bank accounts. They're not tapping into their savings. I mean, they don't have any of that, and yet they're not anxious. Yet you and I have 401k plans. We have savings accounts. You have a job, and yet we are still anxious people. And the birds of the air fly around, and they are not anxious. But you'll also notice, because they're not anxious, Birds don't have anxiety attacks. Birds don't see another bird for therapy. Now, I'm not against therapy. If I think that I think God has gifted people and some people, some of us need to talk to therapists. So I'm not against therapists, but you never see a bird go to a bird, lay on the couch and say, man, I got to tell you my problems. They don't do that. They're carefree. Why? Because they trust their creator. They trust their creator. Now, I'm told of a story of a red robin that goes to a sparrow, and he says to the sparrow, why are these anxious humans always worried? And the robin says back to the sparrow, he says, it's probably because they don't know their creator, the one that feeds us, which is amazing to me because we're created in the Imago Dei. We are created in the image of God, yet Jesus has to point to birds in order to see how we shouldn't be anxious we, need, we worry too much. We worry in places where we should trust. And we worry way too much. Now, the carefree life of a bird should not breed for us, though, laziness. The carefree life of a bird shouldn't breed negligence and irresponsibility. Because notice something. Even though God cares for a bird, he does not take the worm and put the worm into the bird's nest. No, the bird still got to go out and do some work. He still has to go out and even bring back food to provide for his children. And so don't read this and say, oh, I should just be carefree like a bird. Let me not just work. Let me sit at home with the remote and flip. No, we still have to work because even birds, that's where we get the term, the early bird gets the worm because they have a working ethic. But what Jesus is showing us here is, yes, you should work, but you shouldn't work as though all of your life depends on that job. That brings anxiety. Jesus is saying, no, you should work, but your life depends on me and my provision. And that is what we see with God. I love the rest of verse number 26 because he asks a question that is it's really a rhetorical question, but it's a very important one. Verse number 26. 
The end of it says, after he's talking about birds, are you not of more value than they? I already told you that we are created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. We are image bearers of God according to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. When he created birds, he didn't make birds in his image. John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so loved the world, so loved birds that he gave his only son. No, he created you and I in his image. And Jesus just asked, look at the birds, they're carefree but yet you're more valuable than the birds. So what do I mean by that? If I was to wheel in here right now a paralyzed person that was paralyzed from the neck down, literally could not care for himself, couldn't contribute to society. He just, he always, he would always need to be helped. If I was to wheel him in the front of us and then I was to bring a CNI dog in, a CNI dog that helps, you know, and contributes to society by helping people that can't see navigate through life. If I was to bring them both before you, one is able to contribute, but he's not a human. And the other one is a human. And he's, he's not able to contribute, but the dog is able to contribute. Do, do you know that the one that is more valuable is not the dog? Yet he's able to contribute to society. Why is the human of more value? Because he's created in the image of God. Believers and non-believers, you are created in the Imago Dei. When God decided to create a bird, he spoke it into existence. When he decided to create you, Genesis 2.7 says, he stepped down from heaven and dug in the dirt to create you. He didn't get his hands dirty to create a bird. But when he decided to create you and, the, you and I, the Bible says he dug down and got his hands dirty. And if that wasn't enough, he kneels down from heaven, gets face to face with us. And the Bible says he breathed the, life of, the breath of life into Adam. He did not get face to face with a bird and breathe life into a bird. And so when Jesus says we're of more value than a bird, he's affirming the fact that you and I are created in the image of God. How in the world is something that is of more value than a bird? How are we more anxious than a bird? This is what Jesus is showing us here. Let's keep going. Verse number 27. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life. He, he's showing us here that, that being anxious is really unproductive. It doesn't help you at all. We stress over things that we really don't need to be stressing over. I heard a quote that said, worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. And we, I, I've made up in my mind personally that I, I'm just not going to stress over stuff I have no control over. We stress over stuff that is beyond our control. We, stuff, we stress over stuff that God should have sovereign reign and control in our life over, yet we think we're God. We think we're part of the Trinity. We think it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you. We're not in control of our own lives. God is in control of our lives. And so when he says, listen, verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your life? Listen, you stressing doesn't add anything to you. In fact, I would go so far as to say it takes away from your life. Do you know how many people die a year by stress? I read a, a quote or a stat that said every two seconds, seven people die of some type of stress-related disorder. Seven people every two seconds in the world. We are stressful and anxious people. There's a story that, it's a fiction story of a man that, 
that runs into the death angel in his town. And when he runs into the death angel in his town, the death angel says, in this town today, I'm going to take a hundred people, taking them out today. So this man decides to plead on behalf of his town. Please don't take a hundred people. And the death angel is like, this is what I do. I'm going to take a hundred people today. The man is upset about it. He walks away. Later on that evening, he comes back and he sees this death angel again. He's furious. And he says, why did you take more than you said, 150 people died today. You said you were only taking 100. And the death angel said, well, I only took 100, but worry took 50. And that is exactly what our society is like. So many people commit suicide because of anxiety. They commit suicide because they aren't helped and they're not seen. And this is a real problem that the church doesn't like to address. Church doesn't like to deal with the fact that people have all types of anxiety disorders, but you and I, a part of the kingdom of God, must be people that are addressing it. And if you have issues, you need to be talking to somebody about it. Let's keep going. Verse number 28. I love this. Verse number 28 says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lily of the, of the fields. He points to more creation how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. When he says arrayed, he's talking about clothes. Even Solomon wasn't clothed as fine as the material and the, the stuff that Solomon would have worn as the richest he was, as notable as he was, he didn't look like one of these lilies that God is able to clothe. In other words, Jesus pointing to how beautiful even wild uh, flowers are. And what we see here is Jesus pointing to the fact, listen, I clothe the lilies. And here's the interesting thing about the birds and the lilies. The birds are able to fly and hunt. Lilies are just objects. They're not, they have no volition. They're not able to do anything. They're not able to contribute to how they're adorned. Yet God cares for even the lily, lilies of the field. Yet you and I obsess over things like, like clothes. Lilies are beautiful, but they don't clothe themselves. And you don't see lilies plucking out their flowers, obsessed and, and anxious over what they look like. Yet we obsess over what we look like on a consistent on a consistent basis. Verse 30, I'm kind of flying through this. I want to get really to verse 32 and 34. Verse 30 says, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Jesus is showing here the temporary nature of life, how fleeting life is. Like we think my grandmother was 86 years old, passed away this week, 86 years old. On the grander scheme of things, 86 years old goes like that. Like if you think if I was to take a, a rope and stretch it from that wall to that wall and it represented eternity, you would be a small blip on that rope. Your life is quick. James says it's like a vapor. He says, what is your life? It's like a vapor. It's like if I took potpourri in here and I sprayed it and you saw the mist and how quickly it goes. About two seconds later, the mist would be gone. That is your life. And Jesus is showing us here that our lives are temporary. Isaiah 40 verse 6 and 7 says this. talks about us as it relates to grass. This is what he says. All flesh is grass 
And in its beauty, it's like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are like grass. Jesus is comparing how quickly grass is, is taken out. It's here today. Tomorrow, it's thrown into an oven. Like, can, can, can I just suggest to you, those of you who think, man, I, I'm never going to die. I just, I'm going to live forever. No, everybody in this room, if Jesus doesn't come back, everybody in this room is going to die. Like somebody said, amen. <laughs> like you walking into this room this morning, we've been in here for about an hour. You are an hour closer to death now than when you walked in the room. I don't care how much spinach you eat. I don't care. I don't care if you got a, a membership at Planet Fitness. You run every single day of the week and you do four miles. At some point, all of us in here have an expiration date. All of us in here. And so Jesus is saying, like, you're anxious over this temporary life. The grass is, is here today and it's gone tomorrow. Yet we stress and we toil ourselves over things like the temporary nature of our life. Listen, let's stop stressing over life's issues. Let's live for eternity. Let's live for the kingdom. If we, and Jesus is going to deal with that in a couple verses later. If we, de- if we focus ourselves on the kingdom of God, all the stuff we stress about is taken care of. Jesus says that. I think it's verse 33 he says that. Let's keep going. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. Second time he said that. Do not be anxious, saying what you will eat, what you will drink, and what you will wear. Jesus commands his disciples. This isn't the suggestion Jesus given. Second time he commands his disciples. Listen, do not be anxious. Are you seeing how serious Jesus is about your anxiety? That he would say it at least two times. And actually, he's going to say it three because he's going to say it one more time in verse 34. He is passionate about your anxiety. And this is the same word because what happens is we'll say, man, I'm not supposed to be anxious about anything. I originally named this sermon. I had to change it this week. I originally named it anxiety free. The reason I had to change it was because that's not true. We will be anxious about something. This is the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 32 and 33. You want to be anxious, be anxious about something like this. He said, I want you to know, he said, I want you to be free from anxiety. The unmarried man, listen, is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. Paul says, if you want to be anxious about anything, be anxious about your relationship with the Lord. Same word he uses. He uses it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. He now sums up the, his hardship of life. And he says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, 28, he says, There is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul is saying, if you're going to be anxious, be anxious about your relationship with the Lord and be anxious about his bride, the church. We want to, I love this because we get anxious about things that aren't kingdom related. We get anxious about things that are selfish. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he commented on this. He said, He said that Jesus is telling us not to worry about anything, but since we're probably going to worry anyway, then worry about something significant. You want to worry. You want to be anxious. Be anxious. Like if think about what you're anxious about. What if you took all of that anxiety and put that into your relationship with the Lord? 
What if you were that anxious about, what if you were up all night? Think about the stuff that you're up at night about. This helped me this week because sometimes I have a hard time sleeping. And I said to myself, the things that I'm up about at night, what if I was that passionate about my relationship with the Lord? What if I couldn't sleep because I just wanted to get it in with the Lord? What if that's what brought me anxiety? And Paul deals with that. He says, man, I'm going to be anxious, but I'm going to be anxious about kingdom minded things. I'm not just going to be anxious about anything. Now, in verse 32 and 33, Jesus is going to give us a contrast from non-believers to believers. He really gives a word to both of them. Look at verse 32. And verse 31 and verse 32 go together. In fact, let me read them together. Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Look at verse 32. For Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that they need them all. When he says Gentiles here, he's not, he's not talking about some religious distinct, I mean, some racial distinction. What he's talking about when he uses Gentiles here is non-believers, people that don't know Jesus. And so he's saying, we as Christians are worrying about stuff that non-believers worry about. And so really what he's suggesting is that worrying and anxiety is a symptom of an absentee God. When you worry, what you're saying is, I don't trust the God that's over my life. Sometimes I take the trains with my, with my boys and when I take the trains with my boys, you see my oldest son has his headphones on. That's 99% of his life is his headphones are on. And sometimes I'm walking through uh, the train station with them and they got their headphones on. They got their phones out. They are aimlessly walking and they're doing that. And they could do that because they trust their father. They trust that I know what I'm doing. They trust that we know where we're going. They don't know any of the trains. They don't know the transfers. They, don't, they know one train. They know the R train. But other than that, they don't know any other stops. Well, they know the A and C too. I'm, I'm just helping y'all out today. <laughs> but they don't, they, if we get somewhere in Manhattan, they have no clue of where we are. They're trusting that I know where I'm going. The first time I told my oldest son to take the train, he was anxious. But his anxiety wasn't because he was taking the train. He always takes the train with me. His anxiety was over the fact that he was taking the train without his father. And that's where our anxiety is. He's saying, man, don't be anxious like the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-believers. Don't be anxious like there is no God. No, you have a God that's not only able, but you have a God that flexes his mu muscles over creation. You have a God that has spoke everything into existence. Yet we're anxious, again, while other creation is not anxious. Now he's going to talk to believers in verse number 34. I mean, 33. But seek ye first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. Why is he talking to believers here? Because no one else can seek the kingdom of God but believers. The fact that you're able to seek the kingdom of God is proof that Jesus Christ was victorious on the cross. Why do I say that? Because when Jesus Christ goes to a cross, he bridges the gap between sinful man and a holy God. And when he's able to do that, we're now able to seek the kingdom of God. Remember when I said our priorities are all mixed up. We're anxious about things we shouldn't be anxious about. You know what we should be anxious about? Seeking the kingdom of God. And then Jesus goes on to say, and everything else is going to be added to you. So the things that you're anxious about, people have twisted this verse to be all about prosperity. 
No, it could be about your well-being and your state of mind, your anxiety. Seek the kingdom of God. And when you seek the kingdom of God, the things that you're anxious about are taken care of. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Notice that verse doesn't say that he gives you the desires of your heart and then you can delight in the Lord. No, delight in the Lord. That's the focal point of that verse, Psalms 37, 4, delight in the Lord and allow him to give you the desires of the heart. Verse number 34, we're going to end here. Verse 34 says, therefore, third time he says it, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know why I like this verse? Because this verse helps us to really understand life. Because if we don't have verse 34, we can walk out of here and say, oh, it's possible to be anxiety free. But Jesus here now says, he ends, this is another reason why I had to take off the title anxiety free. Because Jesus says in verse number 34, no, you're going to be anxious. But here's the thing. Don't be anxious. Don't add to anxiety by adding tomorrow's anxiety to today's problems. Every day has, so every day you wake up, God has allotted to you a certain amount of pleasure and a certain amount of trouble. Don't add tomorrow's trouble to today. And most of us, see, that's how we have to, that's why Kanye West has to check himself in the hospital because tomorrow's stress is added on to today. But most of us in here, if we're going to be anxiety, not anxiety free as in no anxiety, but not let anxiety rule over our life. We'll just deal with our anxiety that we have today. Eugene Peterson said it well, where he said, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may be, in, what may be happening tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when tomorrow comes. Like, do you trust God like that? To where you'll deal with your anxious anxieties today, but let anxiety tomorrow be worked out because you know the God that helped you today is going to be the God that helps you tomorrow and the next day and the next day and next week. Don't add to tomorrow's anxiety to today. Three times he said, don't be anxious. He said it in verse 25. He said it in verse 31, and he said it in verse number 34. Here's what I know. Many of you walked in this room today, and... You may have had a therapy session this week. Many of you walked in this room today and feel overwhelmed. Many of you may have walked in this room and have picked up your prescription of antidepressants. Many of you have walked in this room and the weight of life is bearing on you. Many of you walked in this room and literally are ready to give up. But here's the truth of the matter. Jesus cares about your anxiety. If he didn't, verses 25 and 34, this is, this, this is a, a, the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. He talked about so much other stuff in this sermon, he didn't have to deal with anxiety. The fact that he focuses on anxiety in his most famous sermon is proof that he cares about what you're dealing with. And if you've walked in here and you're dealing with a heavy load, take that load off today and put it on the Lord. Let Trust him. Jeremiah 17, 7, I'm closing. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. We have anxiety because we lack trust in the Lord. Every head bow and every eye close.
You don't have to um, come up. You don't have to raise your hand. But many of you in this room, if you're honest, if you're really honest with you and the Lord, you know that you really need to repent of lack of trust and anxiety. I'm not saying that life isn't hard. I'm not saying that the pressures of life. I'm not saying that what happened wasn't traumatic. It may have been traumatic. You may be dealing with post-traumatic stress. It may really have rocked you. But what would it look like for you to trust in the Lord as much as you're anxious? The anxiety that you have, what would it look like for you to submit that to the Lord so that the Lord can work on your heart? We need to repent today. And we need to not just repent for repenting sake, but repent for the fact that we do not trust the Lord. We've added tomorrow's stress and tomorrow's anxiety to today. But I pray that the Lord would help us to deal with what we are working through. If I'm talking to you, I pray that you would walk out and be, be changed and transformed. Be counter our culture, our entire, I mean, this neighborhood, we are anxious people. Many are anxious about the, this past election, whether you voted for Trump or whether you didn't vote for Trump. Many people are anxious right now because of elections. We put our stock in this world. And the truth is, you're, a, you're an alien to this world. This isn't your home. If you've trusted Jesus, you are passing through. But yet we're anxious like this is the final stop for us. It's not, it's not your final stop. Not if you've trusted in Jesus. And if you haven't trusted Jesus, I understand why you have anxiety. I do. I understand. We are trying to fill a void that only Jesus Christ can fill. And if that's you in this room, if you've never trusted Jesus, if you've made bad decisions, if you've said, I would never step foot in a church, if that's you, your anxiety can be relieved simply by trusting in Jesus. You'll have to deal with some stuff, but your main anxiety can be dealt with by trusting Jesus today. And I pray that you would do that. And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to walk you through the gospel and what it means that Jesus Christ died on your behalf. I'd love to talk with you about that. Let's pray. Father, this morning, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so much to be grateful for. But if we're honest, there's so much that we have anxiety over. And at, time, at times, our anxiety gets the best of us. We have sleepless nights. We have worry. Sometimes we can't even put our finger on what we're anxious about. Sometimes it just comes and it goes. But this morning, I pray that you would work on us. First, work on our trust issues with you, that we don't trust you. Like the song said, you are faithful to us, and great is your faithfulness. Yet, even though you're faithful to us, there are times that we're not faithful to you when taking our anxiety to you. We've dealt with some really hard stuff, some stuff that we should talk to counselors and therapists about. Pray that we wouldn't feel ashamed of that. 
But ultimately, may we not find our hope in laying on a couch, but let us find our hope in the one that's able to do something about our anxiety. Help us, Lord. We in this room may have panic attacks. Some of us have serious social disorders and social anxiety. We have phobias. Deal with us today, Lord, through your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.